Welcome to another episode of The Rental Journal, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today our guest is Daniel Haskins. Daniel has over 25 years experience at Kennard Tire and has worked in a variety of different roles. Daniel, to kick things off, can you talk about how you got into the hiring rental industry? It's it's a bit of a long story. I was almost born into it, yeah. So my father worked for Kennards from the late 70s right through to 2001. So, you know, I was born in 1980. You know, all I've really known is the high industry as from what dad did. And my grandfather also worked for Kennards at one point as well. So it was almost like a family type uh, situation to sort of roll into. I come on board in the business officially in 95 and there's a story behind why but I got in a bit of trouble and I was given a couple of ultimatums and one of them was to go to work and I decided to go to work um, and remember having a very vivid conversation with my mum saying that uh, I didn't want to follow in dad's footsteps I didn't want to go down the same path and Ironically, I have done everything my old man did. I've worked from the branches and I've moved into IT and, and the only thing I haven't done yet is teach. Third generation, that's uh, that's quite an achievement. And yeah, Kennards is, is still a privately owned company and, and I know they're big on their values and their culture and I'm assuming that played a big part in you sticking around for 25 years. Yeah, 100%. Like I've been here 25 years. This year is my 25th year which, interestingly, I've overtaken my old man in tenure with Kennard, so I'm very proud of that. But uh, I wouldn't have stayed here for 25 years if the culture wasn't there. You know, the, the culture of Kennards has always been a family-orientated culture. You know, they encourage that in, in all of the staff. And, yeah, 100%, it's had a long... It's, uh, it's had probably the biggest impact on me to stay around is the culture here. It's, it's just... It, uh, I can't think of another place where I'd rather work to be honest this is turning into a bit of a can I tire uh, promotional segment this one but it's uh yeah look, that, that's great to hear and I've, I've had the pleasure of uh working with canards on several projects and it's um yeah there's definitely a similar quality around all the different employees that i've dealt with so talk to me about how you got into it at canards yeah by fluke to be honest and probably a little bit by accident so, as I said, Dad worked for Kennards for many years, and at one point he was the one-man IT band, and I don't mind tinkering with computers, and I like to get my hands dirty and learn stuff and get into the nuts and bolts of how something works. So, you know, and people in the business knew that I like to tinker with computers and all that sort of stuff. So, probably late 08, earlier 09, the business was considering moving away from an in-house developed system called Merlin with a couple of back-end systems that were sort of plugged into that um, and moving to a holistic uh, ERP software, which is base plan. And they needed someone out of operations to come in and sort of vet our processes with uh, what base plan was coding and what's going to fit the business because Kennards has got a, a very unique flow in the branch where you know, we do things differently to others and that's because of our processes and our our attention to quality. But we needed to make sure that the base plan system fit the branch operations and that was my job. Initially, it was supposed to be three-month tour up here uh, full-time. So I did a couple of meetings in 09 when I was still managing a branch and coming up here for meetings. And then January 2010, they asked me to come up for three months. And that three months turned into six months. 
and with the point where they replaced me out in operations, the offer was made to me to stay in IT and sort of be the, the linchpin between ops and IT just to make sure that any change that went out to the business had that operational viewpoint across it. So you were brought into the IT department to help with the transition onto your new ERP system, which is base plan. But coming from the operations, how important was that for the project to have someone that actually understood the business side of it, uh, working on the IT side of it? I don't think the business would have bought in if they didn't have someone that was looking at it from their point of view. It's imperative. You know, I, I've learned over the last 10 years and I've, I've got a pretty big remit here now in IT and I work with a lot of technical people. But sometimes technical people don't understand the end user and the problems that the end user have and and that's important you need, you need to to make something successful a rollout a change whatever it might be from an IT standpoint you need someone that understands the business from the other side of the table mm, yeah I think sometimes uh, businesses will add like an like IT consultants to run the project and yeah it's always going to be a challenge trying to truly understand the requirements of the operations if they haven't actually dealt with them or been even or at least involved on a daily basis with them as well. So I really want to try and get some insights to, to help other people. What advice would you give to somebody? What are the key things that somebody should be thinking about when they are looking at changing their system considering you worked on, on part of the project to switch out over 150 locations at the time? There's two, planning it out and you know making sure you got the requirements right is probably number one, uh, and number two the and probably the more important of the the two is the training that goes behind it. You know when you're doing an ERP rollout, you know the, the mechanics of it is probably the simpler part because you can replicate what you've you can try to replicate the logic into a new system. Training and getting the 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 staff's buying to it is the is the key you've got to be able to talk in their language you've got to be able to show them well you're doing it this way now in this system it's going to be slightly different but you get the same outcome or we're doing it differently because of this and this is going to make it better for us in the long run so for us that training piece was huge um, i reckon i spent six months probably closer to seven writing a training guide that at that point in time was probably 230 pages and then I spent a good, probably a good solid six months flying home on weekends and flying around the country training people face to face. So, and I think it was, I think it was easier for and for our staff to be trained face to face because they, most people knew me in the business by that point, and they they respected that I come out of the branch. So they were more willing to listen. So, my my key message to anyone rolling an ERP out is bring someone out of the business that has the want to learn something new and has the ability to be able to convey the message back to the troops because that'll make or break a project. Yeah, and I assume when the end users are actually engaging with somebody that is, is a known face in the organization, it makes the, the change management a lot easier as well. Yeah, and people in hire tend to be very pragmatic in their approach, right? So if something works for them and it's working well, then you've got to big challenge on changing that and you're right if, if you walked in well you're a big bloke so if you walked in they'd probably listen to you anyway but if you did walk into a branch and told them this is how you're going to do it you'd probably get the middle finger back from a few people right um where is exactly right if if they trust you and they they know that you've been where they are 
they're more likely to take what you're saying on with face value and move on. And so if people are going to be recruiting for this particular role to help with the rollout of an ERP change, uh, they're going to have to do that at, at recruitment internally. So what, what qualities do they need to look for and um, what type of person would they need to recruit? Finding those people is really hard because you, I think you've got to find someone that's got a, uh, that wants to learn different things, right? So you've got to identify that pretty early on. Thankfully, I've had some really good managers along the way that sort of saw some strengths in me and put me up for this. I think that, you know, you've got to be willing to put yourself outside the comfort zone. And I think all of us sometimes are, it's easy to stay inside the comfort zone. This was not an easy transition for me. Like I struggled for probably 12 months coming up here out, out of a branch where you're on your feet every day. You, when you're in Canards, when you're a branch manager, you're effectively running your own race, right? So you've got a lot of autonomy. Um, you're outside, you're dealing with customers, you're doing different things every day. Um, we're coming into an office environment, it's somewhat structured and you've got to have the right mindset to be able to make that shift. And that's hard to identify and I don't know what the answer is to do that. Um, what I can tell you is that with every every job that comes up, especially on the, the help desk side of things, my preference is always to pull from within the business. And we've done that successfully three or four times. We've been able to pull some good people out of the business and the reward show. So. I don't know if that's answered the question because, as I said, it's a hard one to answer how you identify someone, how you how you know that person's going to be the right fit, all that sort of stuff. I think sometimes you've just got to take a gamble and see if it works. And thankfully for me, it did. But I also think that the career progression from being like a driver or a high controller or whatever it might be that your title is, it's pretty clear, I think. But no one would assume that they could actually go into IT as well, like, don't you think? No, and if I'm honest with you, when I was outside of IT, you know, the career path fairly well design, defined if you want to, you know, go into that management route. You know, you work your way up. I worked my way up from a, a serviceman driver to a 2IC. I missed the more high controller than 2IC. But there's an alternate part there where you can go maintenance, the mechanics sort of route. So, you know, I made the choice and I wanted to be management. So you go, you know, serviceman driver, hire controller, to IC, branch manager. And then from branch manager, it's, you know, you've got really one choice. If you want to go any further, it's area manager, general manager, etc. No, I didn't, no, the thought's not given to people to, you know, can you go in a different direction and go to IT? And it's only when I come up here, I thought, well, hang on, there's, this is a way for me to impact the organization in a, in the way in a positive way and help you know you know help many people from a support function so again it's not for everyone but if people are that way inclined that they you know they want to get in and help and have influence over an organization then that's not a bad way to go to to jump from ops to it i think that's a good point that you raise around having an influence over an organization like if someone is really passionate about their work and they and they want to make an impact, moving into IT and helping roll out an ERP is definitely a, a scenario they could look at. So working on both the operation side of the business and the branches and also in IT and rolling out uh, base plan and, and helping in the help desk, you would have had a variety of mentors. Who was uh, who were some people that played a big influence in your career? 
Yeah, I've been lucky in that respect that I've had some, as I said, some really good branch managers um, and, you know, other senior managers in the organisation. There's, you know, in branch land, there's probably uh, a couple of people that um, that warrant to mention. One of them would be Mike Reed. He's uh, currently one of our managers um, in the north coast of New South Wales. Now, our state GM at the moment, Darren Simmons, I was his 2IC for a few years. He was very he, he he guided me in a couple of ways and and taught me some things that uh, that have helped me even to this day. Senior in the senior ranks, um, you know, because I was based at Gurwain for a while, we got to you know the the Peter Lankin. Um, I had a little bit to do with him as I was coming through, uh, and we had some good chats along the way, and he sort of gave me some advice along the way. Probably the biggest one in IT. Uh, in the IT space was Stuart Dean. He's now our Chief Operations Officer. Uh, he was our CIO uh, for five or six years. But he was the one who brought me out of the... He was the one that made me the job offer to stay up here. And um, definitely for the first two years that I was up here, um, guided me in the right ways of doing things from in, in an IT space. As I said, there's, there's a heap more people out there that I could thank for the career that I've had. Um, including my old man, because initially he was the one who hired me, right? Yeah, it's, there's a heap of people that have helped, but those are the ones that probably stand out for me more than anyone else. There's some big names that you mentioned in there. Uh, Stuart Dean's definitely one that jumps out. He, he's done the uh, the opposite route where he really started in the support and IT side and then uh, moved over into operations and then now in more of an executive role. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's funny how there's different opportunities that arise, and and again, I think as we spoke about before, it's all about your willingness to learn and adopt and, and challenge yourself. Well, Stu's probably one of the smartest guys I've ever met, and has the capabilities to to go as far as he wants to go. But yeah, he's done it the other way. He 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 started in I suppose a support type role. Um, he came into Kennards as, I can't even think what his title was back then, I think it was Group Program Manager, so fairly senior role in the support function and then into CIO, and then, yeah, made the jump and and found you know, a passion for ops, and I can't say that I blame him. I think ops is a very exciting space to be. So switching topics a little bit, uh, working at Kennards for 25 years, you would have learnt a lot about yourself and your career, and you would have changed over those years. What's something that you wish you would have learnt um, back when you were younger? The only thing that I probably would change going back, there'd be two things actually, is one, I probably more when I come up to ITs, I probably sort of studied a bit more when I come up here. You know, I'm playing that, I'm playing a little bit of catch up now, but you know, I've learned what I've needed to learn and, and, and that's fine, but I would have probably, I should have done in hindsight a couple of more things when I first started up here in the study space. But probably the more important thing is be open to all management styles. So I've had some really fantastic branch managers and other type of managers in my career that have helped me guide. And I've had some really not so great managers, let's put it that way. And I think you can learn valuable lessons from both types and you've, you've just got to be open to do it. And I think when I was in those situations where I didn't have a great manager, it was easy to close myself off and sort of not learn those lessons until later so my suggestion to my younger self would be be open have your eyes open learn everything you can good bad or indifferent use it going forward yeah i really like that that thought process around learning from both good and bad managers i think uh, you would only really gain that that 
knowledge with uh, with maturity. Yep, hundred percent. And you know, you probably learn those lessons later in life. But you know, from a young from a young guy, sometimes uh, you think you know everything and you don't. And it's not until later that you realise that. So, uh, not that I ever said I thought I knew everything, but I was in my younger days probably a little bit more arrogant than what I should have been. Well, it's good that you can recognise that. I think a lot of people just go through life and don't change and. Yeah, some probably call it confidence, but yeah, it can be arrogance. So doing the maths, like you would have been running a branch at quite a young age then, yeah? I think I was probably the youngest 2IC at that point, and I got promoted at 19 to a 2IC. But I was running a branch on the weekends and days when the managers weren't in from probably 16, 16, 17. So it can happen. It is not necessarily... The, to be promoted to a manager at that age is probably not the right thing, in my opinion. I think sometimes you've got to do a little bit of life learning before you sort of take on management of people. Um, you know, in my case, the 2IC promotion taught me a lot of things and and some life lessons that I've carried to this day. Well, that's a, that's a pretty good achievement. I think at 19, I was still walking into walls. So, so talk to me a little bit about success. How do you define success? Well, I think um, success is being able to get out of bed in the morning and hold your head high and know, knowing that you're adding value or you've done a good job. And that's that's how I measure myself. If, if I get out of bed one day and go, right, I've got no more value to add, then I probably need to start looking somewhere else or start doing something else. So to me, it is yeah, get out of bed in the morning, look yourself in the mirror, know you've done the right thing know that you've you know not run not run over anyone to get there and you can look at yourself in the mirror honestly and you know give the thumbs up i love what you just said about uh success and not running over people to get there i think that's really a great mentality to have and it's uh yeah it's probably part of the culture as well that's been bred into you at, at canards hire so when we talk about a defining moment then i assume part of it would have been you moving over from operations into it I think you're right. So from a career point of view, the defining moment was saying yes to, I can, I can tell you who asked me to come up and help on the project was Bill Whitehouse, who is probably in that list of people that have sort of influenced me over the years. Uh, not Probably, he is in that list of people who have influenced sort of some of the paths that I've taken over the years. When he asked me that question, I didn't even hesitate, I just said yes. And, and that I didn't think that would end up in a in a career in IT. To be honest, I thought I'm just helping out, and that's what we do in Canada. We help each other out. So that was probably the clinch point. Definitely, the second part of that is when Stu offered me the role to stay up here, and you know that again, that was almost uh, an instant yes. I sort of already, already planned that out in my head, and sort of thought if they offer, I'm staying. Personally, and this has got nothing to do with my career, but personally, the the defining moment a defining moment that probably changed the way I look at things was the birth of my daughter. Um, so I was very young when I got married. I was 19 when I got married to my wife. She fell pregnant very quickly after we got married. So I was, my daughter was born four months before my 21st, uh, for three months, sorry, before my 21st. And up until that point, as I've mentioned, I was probably a little bit more arrogant than what I say was acceptable. Uh, and that moment of her being born probably humbled me and changes your perception on things. So, and that changes that's you know that changes the way you look at the world. So, they were probably the 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 two two and a half defining moments 
the birth of my daughter and the opportunity and just saying yes. Just saying yes. You know, I, I really like that. I think that's something that I've always tried to focus on. Um, whenever I'm doing anything, if there's ever an opportunity to do things, saying no like doesn't really provide opportunity. So I'm always saying yes to making sure that I'm exposed to more people and more networking and more uh, maybe career opportunities. So yeah, I think saying yes so quickly is, is a, it has played a big part in you. So, so what advice would you give to a new person that's joining the hiring rental industry? I would say it's probably one of the more dynamic industries to jump into. So if they have made that choice, then they've made a good choice. My advice would be eyes open, ears open, and just throw yourself into it. It's, it's probably one of the industries that people don't think about all that often, but it's probably more one of the more exciting or dynamic industries. There's always a different problem. There's always a, a problem to solve, you know, um, every, not one day is the same. Every day has a different challenge and it is a very cool place, a very good industry to start. It teaches you a lot about, you know, if you're, if you're mechanically inclined, you get to use that, those skill sets or you get to develop it. If you're management inclined or you want to uh, manage people, you get the skills, you can develop that. If you want to play in the support functions, IT, HR, finance, whatever, that uh, access is there. It's, it's, it's a very good industry to get into. And as I said, my advice to someone starting would be eyes open, ears open and take every opportunity that you can get. Yeah, and the other thing that I like about the home rental industry is it's so diverse. Like, for example, if you look at Kennard's Hire, you guys have concrete care and lift and shift and pump and power, your general rental operation. There's so much diversity now where it provides such more of an opportunity for other people in different industries to get involved. Yeah, no, you're right. Probably 15, 20 years ago, if you wanted to get into the concrete industry, you probably had two opportunities. One was driving a concrete truck and the other was laying it and cutting it and, you know, hands on top roll. And there probably were some sales opportunities and all that sort of stuff, you know, around saws and diamonds and all that sort of stuff. But hundred percent, you're right. You know, that, that industry has taken off. You know, we started with one branch. There's six, I think now off the top of my head, six or seven. Um, and it's a very successful business and there's other businesses out there that are doing different things. Um, with concrete so as, a, as an example that's a good one and um, you, you're, you're right the industry is, has the higher industry and its thing has opened that possibility up that market up and it's just uh, it's good you know lift and shift is another one you mentioned again there's probably companies doing that around but really if you wanted to be in that space around rigging and all that sort of stuff you probably need to be a grain driver or something like that 20 years ago now there's the other opportunity that's rental. And I think that's good. It brings different people into the industry, brings different thinking, it brings it brings diversity. I agree. I agree. And and yeah, hopefully those those new people can get involved in in the, the associations like the HRA or the ARA or um, high ends, whatever it might be, the, the local association. Talking about that, so so what benefit do you get out of going to some of these trade events? I think you can look at it two ways. If you're there to buy equipment, I think it's a good thing. Um, you see a lot of the new equipment that's that's there and you know that gets the gears turning to you know opportunities and all that sort of stuff. So there's the, the procurement side of it. I said the value that I get from it um, is the networking, the seeing people. You know, we, I 
talk to a lot of people, um, as, as do you. And you can talk via this, like a video chat, or you can talk over the phone, but it's not the same as actually sitting down over a cup of coffee with someone. Yep, no, I agree. The world's in a bit of a weird spot at the moment with COVID. Everything seems to be online. And hopefully next year we can get back to doing some more on-site visits. All right, well, look, I really appreciate you taking the time. We're coming to the end of our discussion. No, man, any time, anything for you, no. So. <laughs> Please share and follow the Rental Journal podcast and hope to see everyone in the next episode. Bye.